Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Litmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And today I'd like to talk to you about the tongue. And you may be thinking, why should we spend any time talking about the tongue? The reason for that is simple and can be understood from noticing just a few passages of Scripture. In 1 Peter 3 and verse 10 we find, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that they speak no guile. James tells us in James chapter 1 and verse 26, If any man among you seems to be religious, and bridles not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is vain. James again in James chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 tells us, Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasts great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defiles the whole body, and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. My friends, when we think about it, Sins of the tongue are probably the most common of all sins in all age groups. The religion of many who are good people otherwise is made vain or useless because of the improper use of the tongue. It truly is just a small part of the body, but it can cause a world of trouble and cause the one who fails to bridle it to be lost eternally. Just how serious a matter is it? Well, listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 through 37. The Lord said, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Do you ever stop to think about God's name? What about God's name? Folks in general have decided to use God's name in the name of the Lord Jesus in many ways in which they should not be used. God's name today is used as an expletive, as a profane exclamation. It is used as a byword. In other words, when a person is happy, they use God's name. When they are sad, they use God's name. When they are angry, they use God's name. If they are disappointed, well, they use God's name. When surprised, people will use God's name. If they are excited, they will use God's name. Just about any time and for just about any reason, God's name is used. And that's just not right. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7, we find, 
Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. This prohibition specifically refers to the taking of an oath falsely and invoking God's name as witness. But in the greater and larger sense, it implies a lack of reverence for God, given essentially the same prohibition in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 33 through 37 from the Lord Jesus Christ. I like the pulpit commentary on what it has to say about the third commandment. Quote, primarily the third commandment forbids perjury or false swearing. Secondarily, it forbids all unnecessary oaths, all needless mention of the holy name of God, and all irreverence toward anything which is God's, his name, his house, his day, books, laws, ministers. Whatever in any sense belongs to God is sacred, and, if it has to be mentioned, should be mentioned reverently. My friends, the only time when it is proper to use God's name is when we are speaking to him or speaking about him, and even then only if it is done reverently. To use God's name in any other way is sinful. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 111 verse 9, He sent redemption unto his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverend is his name. I believe that Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 speaks to the attitude that is called for when using God's name. It says, Keep thy foot when thou go to the house of the God, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not what they do evil. Be not rash with their mouth, and let not your heart be hasty to other things before God, for God is in heaven, and you upon earth. Therefore let thy words be few. What about vulgarity? If something is vulgar, it is offensive to good taste. It is gross or obscene. Vulgarity is an instance of coarseness of manners or language. Vulgar, vile language is found in today's magazines, novels, songs, movies, television shows, and even in some of the required reading for high school and college literature classes. Vulgarity seems to be everywhere from the factory floor to the boardroom, from elementary school all the way to the White House. What does God say about it? In Ephesians 4 and verse 29, we read, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. In Colossians 3 and verse 8, Paul wrote, But now put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communications out of your mouth. How do I deal with vulgarity? How do I remove it from my life and vocabulary if I have fallen into it? When a person is vulgar, using profanity, telling dirty jokes, and generally being coarse in their speech, we have a picture of what that person is like on the inside. What we say can demonstrate what we are. Vulgarity doesn't just come out, it is a result of what is in our hearts. If our hearts are filled with filthy things, that is what is going to come out. So we must be careful about what we put into our hearts. We must be careful what we think about. That was Paul's very point in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, when he said, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, 
whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. As we continue talking about the tongue, something else to consider is, what about lying? Many people have very little problem with telling a lie, particularly if it is what is called a little white lie. And we all know what that is. That is a lie that isn't a whopper. It's just a a little lie. Even the major networks will occasionally do a news special or a segment on one of their weekly news magazine programs about how pervasive lying is in our society. I was amazed several years ago when I was teaching a class of teenagers who, for the most part, had been raised attending the services of the Lord's Church, and almost to a person, they defended cheating in school. That's just another form of lying, and it's just plain wrong. I wonder if the tendency to lie would be so strong if consideration was given to whom we are acting like when we do it. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 44, You are of the father, your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. In Revelation 21 and verse 8, John wrote this eye-opening statement, But the fearful, the unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. It is never right to lie. Under no circumstances, and regardless of the consequences, honesty is always right. It truly is the best policy. It brings to mind Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 21, providing for honest things not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. What about gossip? I just want to present a number of passages that answer that question. Proverbs 11 and verse 13 says, A talebearer reveals secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit conceals the matter. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 28 says, A forward man sows strife, and a whisperer separates chief friends. Proverbs 20 and verse 19 says, He that goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets, Therefore, meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. Proverbs 26 and verse 20 says, Where no wood is, there the fire goes out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceases. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 20 we find, For I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be found among you as ye would not, lest there be debates, Envying, wraths, strifes, backbiting, whisperings, swellings, tumults. And then in First Timothy chapter 5, verses 11 through 13, we find, But the younger widows refuse, for they have begun to wax wanton against Christ. They will marry, having damnation, because they have cast off their first faith. And withal they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. It is so easy to hurt someone so badly with our tongues. 
Gossip always hurts, and to do so is just plain sinful. If we are Christians, then we are Christians all of the time and everywhere, in both what we do and in what we say. Letting our light shine does not simply involve going around telling people what they must do to be saved. It also involves letting them see and hear how Christians live. One surefire way to cast reproach upon the church and ourselves is to sin with the tongue. So let's be very careful about how we use that most important instrument that God has given to us, the tongue. Thanks for listening.